Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. We're coming to you in front of a live audience in Augusta, Georgia. They are gathered here. They have filled the house at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts. Hello, Augusta. How are you all today? Uh, We have a lot to talk about, so let's get right down to uh, introducing our panel. We have two whips from the state legislature here tonight. That is really something. We have Democratic Senate whip, uh, Senator Harold Jones. We have Deputy Chief House whip, Mark Newton, right? I got that Deputy Chief whip, and I got you are the chief whip for the Democrats in the Senate, right, Harold? Well, yes, we just call it the whip. I have a chief and I have a deputy. We're also joined by uh, one of Augusta's really finest journalists, Monique Williams, who uh, is an anchor and a reporter for WRDW and WAGT. You anchor, you're kind of all over. You anchor when, when, whenever they need you to anchor and build their audience, right, Monique? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Pleasure uh, to be here. We're Thanks really so much. glad to have you here. Uh, Mary-Kate Lizat, a professor of political science at Augusta University, joins us tonight. And when you came in tonight, you told us that you've f- finished, and early, early next year, we'll you have a book coming out. Yes, uh, sometime in 2020, I'm not exactly sure when, but I have a book with Temple University Press uh, titled Gender, Differences in Public Opinion, Values and Political Consequences. I, well, we'll all remember that title, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. When your book comes out, we'll talk about it. That would be wonderful. And Jim Galloway is uh, with us, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read Jim's column on Wednesdays and Sundays in the uh, newspaper, and he oversees the Political Insider blog uh, at AJC.com. And one of your main responsibilities, we never quite talk about this, is the jolt, the summary of some of the top political stories going on that you put out every morning. Right. We, we try to have something new every, uh, as you wake up. No, I try to. I, I get up at 6.30 every morning. I'm at the computer there. And try to get it out by 9.30. I miss sometimes, but you know. <laughs> you can read it at uh, AJC.com. All right, we're in Augusta, which, you know, which means that we're in, uh, we have one foot in Richmond County and another foot in Columbia County. Basically, that's correct, isn't it, all of you Augusta uh, folks right. on the panel? So let's just, a quick couple of comments about Augusta, and I'll ask you all to weigh in. Mark, Augusta... Uh, in the 2016 presidential race went by a large margin for Hillary Clinton, right? Correct. In Columbia County, Trump won like 60 plus, 65, 66% of the vote, right? In Richmond County though, Harold, what happened in that presidential race? Well, um, you know, Secretary Clinton won very easily, of course, in Richmond County. Yeah, so you all have a really interesting 
kind of mixture of Democrats and Republicans in the community, but the 12th congressional district, which is what encircles both Columbia, Richmond, city of Augusta, Jim Galloway, uh, they have a fairly safe Republican seat right now, thanks to reapportionment, and so they have a Republican member of Congress. And it's gonna, it looks like it's gonna stay that way for a good while. Uh, uh, I had a, 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 a ran across a Democrat who's a number cruncher, and and last year he he, he took all the he took all the the the, the primary voting, uh, the May 20, uh, 2018 primary, counted up all the Republican ballots, counted up all the Democratic vote ballots, and figured out where was the tipping point, where was the 50 percent mark, you know where where did the majority in in the statewide you know. Uh, uh, I think uh, Republicans had 52% of the vote, right? But they only got past 50% when they started counting voters age 73 and up. Uh, Y'all have got an age problem going right here, <laughs> okay? Just statewide, okay? In, in the sixth district, the uh, Karen Handel, Lucy McBath race, okay? Republicans didn't get to 50% of that vote until they started counting voters 79 years old and older. Voters who will be 81 in 2020. Okay. Now, now, if you are Republican, one of your the good news here is in the 12th district, your 12th district, Rick Allen. Okay, and it's one of five congressional districts where Democrats weren't the majority in any age group at all. So. Mr. Newton, if you've got ambitions, this is the place to stay, right here. <laughs> well, I, I would like to say, I mean, I, I'm blessed to represent both counties. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a foot in both counties. I live close to the county line. A CSRA, Central Savannah River area over here in East Georgia, it really includes rural counties, too, that, that feed into the area. But I think what we see, and Harold and I both see this, all citizens want safe, low-crime communities. They want quality education for their kids and grandkids. They want jobs, and those are things that we work on in a bipartisan way in the Georgia legislature, House and Senate, Republican and Democrat. So we love it over here. We're glad that you've made it to the rest of Georgia. I know you get out when you can. I've uh, got a wife from Ringgold, Georgia. I grew up in Macon, so yeah, we're glad we got to see to meet you outside Joni of, before uh, the show started. We're glad to see you outside of Atlanta. We know how important that is as an economic engine to the state, but but we're we think we're pretty important here and in the rest of Georgia that we represent those other areas. Um, uh, Harold, let me ask you this: uh, You talk about how important jobs are. Mark mm -hmm. says, uh, of course, to the uh, uh, region. And one of the things that you here in Augusta are really trying to build upon is the hundred million dollar cybersecurity center that uh, Governor Deal. Uh, uh, work to put in place out here, and your elected leaders, you and others, your business leaders, all see this as the beginning of creating in Augusta and the region, I think it's safe to say, a real national home for cybersecurity, yes? Absolutely, in fact, the $100 million that was given is, is basically the largest single amount of money that's been given throughout the nation as far as the cyber center is concerned. And so we're very proud of that, but it also brings up something very interesting as far as Columbia County and Richmond County working together, especially with the Fort Gordon Alliance. That was something that we worked on together to try to help bring that here. And so that's the synergy that we have. But when we start talking about the cyber center, you know, one of the key things is it's not just going to just deal only on cybersecurity because one of the things you have to have is basically an ecosystem. You want to have all different kind of persons within that particular building. And if you look at a lot of the literature and things that they say, if you want to have a successful cyber 
cybersecurity region as far as economic development is concerned. You need to have a federal presence. We have that. You need to have a good educational presence. We certainly have that with Augusta University and Augusta Tech both offering cyber certificates. And I want to also mention that the governor this year was able to, we were able to put in some money to help HBCUs also um, deal with the cyber center. So everything, all the metrics that you need to be successful, Augusta has it. Harold Jones, representative of the Augusta Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank well, there, you very much for that. There, there is a third group. There is that the private industry, which I think you were alluding to, along with government, academics, yeah. and private industry. So there's jobs out there for, for the kids that are learning at Augusta Tech and Augusta University. One of the things that was Cyber Command moving to this area, which mm -hmm. has been a multi-year process from the Virginia and Maryland yeah. area, that's, right now Fort Gordon is a $2.5 billion a year impact in our area. Which is, a, which is a big impact for all of Georgia. And we're just excited when other cities and states that didn't work together as early as Senator Jones was talking about, as Harold was talking about, when they didn't work as early, then, then some of them got left behind in the brack. All right. But instead um, we expanded. Thank you. We wanted to give our uh, listeners out there a little taste of the right. community we've come to to do the show. And thank you for doing that. Uh, let's turn to the issue that is in the headlines. Uh, it's been there since weekend before last, uh, terrible, terrible shootings in El Paso and Dayton. Um, Jim Galloway, let me start this with you since you know, uh, well, you know, before we talk about what's happening in, in uh, Smyrna coming up, let me turn to the audience. Uh, we, we're radio for the most part, so we need applause on this. How many of you in this audience, as you listen to the congressional debate, just in a general way are hoping Congress passes some gun legislation, some gun restrictions. Please uh, signal, I applaud. All right. How, how many of you are, would, would encourage them, your congressman, Rick Allen, and, and the rest of Congress, to uh, pass a background check bill alone? And how many of you think that doesn't go far enough? <laughs> kind, of, kind of split. Final question, how many of you uh, believe there should be a ban on assault weapons? <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Monique, you're out there covering uh, people here in Augusta. Uh, how are the folks responding to the shootings. We heard what our listeners think. What do you think the appetite here is for gun restrictions and what do you think they're looking at? I, I think anytime you are talking about possibly threatening uh, people's rights in any way, shape or form, people get very uh, defensive about that. I think uh, it would behoove all of us to really educate ourselves on what the legislation really means. I actually went online and started looking at exactly what the Second Amendment says. And I was talking to my um, political expert over here to my left, Mary Kate, earlier. And you know, the line that really struck me is that you know, of course, it's the uh, right to bear arms uh, in the civic duty. Let me put my glasses on so I can see. <laughs> I know the feeling. Here we go. Uh, the right for people to. Uh, bear arms and keep arms in the area of self-defense in the home. And so that really struck me because to me, that does not translate 
as it's okay for me to strap an AK-47 around my shoulder and walk out in the public with it. It tells me that I have the right to bear and keep arms in the defense of my home. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to Mary Kate about it and you know, we were just discussing the different um, interpretations of the amendment. Mary, Mary Kate, uh, as I pointed out, you've got, uh, you've got a, a, a city of Augusta and a county from Richmond County, uh, much more democratic in its outlook, and then Columbia, much more Republican. It strikes me that in some ways this region uh, probably is uh, really representative of the mixed feelings that people have uh, about weapons. Republicans tending to be, maybe, if the president in fact, we'll follow up on, on his uh, uh, statements that he wants to see background checks. Maybe Republicans might support that. Democrats want to go further. And your region seems to reflect the differences. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, polling of Georgia residents in general um, over the last few years has actually shown that among Republicans in Georgia, a slight majority support universal background checks. Uh, and among Democrats in Georgia, it's you know a vast majority of them do, uh, and that's pretty reflective of the nation as a whole, uh, where the majority of Americans want to see universal background checks. A majority want to see um, high-capacity magazines outlawed, as well as um, assault rifles. So I, I think that that's right that that this area reflects uh, the dynamics in Georgia statewide. Hey, Harold and Mark, are you two on different pages as a Democrat and? Republican, Harold? Oh, maybe. Um, as far as the background check is concerned, certainly we want Congress to go forward on that. But I'm looking for it from a Georgia perspective in this sense. What are some bills that we could actually possibly get passed here? And it was actually one in the paper today which dealt with domestic violence and actually keeping guns out of persons who have been convicted of domestic violence. Which is that Senator Jen Jordan's legislation Jordan, is sitting in the Senate for next session. Right. right, and it actually got through Judiciary Committee, then it stalled. That's something that's really big for us. Ammunition would also be a, another area. Um, as far as banning assault rifles are concerned, certainly that would be something to certainly look at, but there's 15 million of them already out there in the system. So the question becomes, number one, how do we look at those persons, domestic violence, and then we have what we call red flag legislation. Georgia has legislation that's already pending in the House that also gives persons a hearing if per someone wants to say they're, they're a danger to others or a danger to themselves. And the bill is actually pretty extensive, but that's, a, that's part of it. Those are things that I would hope that actually we could work across the aisle, even if we have to tweak some things here or there and get those things done. We saw that that happened in the Senate with the domestic violence bill, but then it stalled out. Yeah, Mark, uh, it is interesting. We've, we've looked at this from a national perspective a lot. Most people have. But these two bills that Harold refers to are still uh, alive uh, for one more session in, in your legislature. Well, th they are, and, and they have a lot of uh, there's a lot of tweaking that can be done to make them better. Certainly convicted domestic violence uh, abusers, there is a, almost a unanimous agreement that that is an area that, that there should be attention to. And so I think there is, there's a little question about temporary protective orders and other things. So that, that they have to get into the details. But, and we're waiting to see what Congress will do, whether they'll do grants, whether they'll do some uh, different ways they'll give something to us. But one of the things I'm excited about is that we actually in Georgia last year and then again this year, $69 million for school security. Over the last four years, I was talking to Terry England, a recent guest of yours last week uh, on appropriations chair, we're spending $300 million more a year on mental health throughout state agencies. So it's not just what could be done or what might be done, 
we're actually doing things. We're actually making a difference. Uh, mental health counselors, apex counselors in uh, almost every school district to try to deal with mental health problems early. And certainly as an ER doctor, I see mental health challenges every shift I work. Jim, what happened to Jen Jordan's bill when it got to judiciary? Uh, it, uh, actually, it passed unanimously. Yeah. And, uh, and then it got, it uh, never made it through rules. Yeah, that's correct. And so now we've got to, it, it, uh, but if I could elucidate on, on, on something that Mark said, is one of the things that this would, uh, would, would, would affect, you've got a, 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 a court of appeals kind of footnoted decision that calls into the question a judge's authority to order uh, weapons seized in a, in, a, in a domestic abuse case uh, via a, a temporary protective order. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jordan's legislation would address that, and and, uh, and, I, and and to your point, Mark, I think is that is that where it, what is that what what may, may have held up uh, the legislation? I think it was a question just because the bar for judges is is much lower for a, a restraining order than it is for a, a, a conviction for domestic right, violence. Let me into this mix before we have to take a break, Jim. Let's add the event that's happening in Smyrna. I was going to mention that. This weekend, Monique wants to jump on it too. Why don't you tell us what's going to happen? Okay. I will start this by saying I got an email from a good friend of mine who is a Republican in Georgia who said, I cannot believe how tone deaf my party is being over what? All right, this is the fifth annual 11th District GOP marksmanship event and barbecue reception. That was scheduled uh, long before El Paso it's and all, Dayton? all scheduled all before. Uh, and this is it. Uh, it uh, they're advertising pretty much every statewide uh, Republican elected official is going to be there on Friday, uh, plus Carolyn Meadows, the NRA president. Uh, uh, here, here's the thing, Bill. Uh, since El Paso and and uh, Dayton, uh, Republicans on on the ground really have not wanted to talk about guns. So there was a there was a there was a a, a rally up in up in Rome on Saturday. Uh, the only one allowed to talk about guns at that meeting was Barry Loudermilk. Barry Barry gets a pass because he's been shot at. Uh, he was in that in, in, at the, in the on that, at that field. ball field in 2017. Yeah. So so he, he he can do that. But they uh, otherwise they've tried to stay off the top uh, stay off that topic. This guarantees that it becomes part of the political mix for the next week at least. Monique, you immediately were like, I want to talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, that we do state that it has been scheduled long before the recent mass shootings, but it's also interesting to note that the recent mass shootings did not prompt a, postponement. a cancellation. Or a postponement, just a postponement. I mean, we have right. a movie out there called The Hunt, apparently, which is about, right, is the storyline is people hunting other people. And the movie studio has canceled release, which was supposed to happen now. Not if you're in Barry Loudermilk's congressional district. That's interesting. Mark, smart move by the... I know you're not here sure. to talk about somebody else's congressional right. district. But... <laughs> but, uh, I am a I'm an ER doctor. I, I hold hands with families who've had an unexpected death. The compassion we feel to the people who, who've died in El Paso, uh, Los Angeles. There was a knifing. There's there uh, every weekend in Chicago. There's there were, I think there were 55 this past weekend that were shot and seven killed. It, it, it is a catastrophe. Um, it is something that we have a lot of compassion about. I think it's a mistake to conflate or mix the two. 
law-abiding Georgia hunters, for example, with their kids or, or something like that. There's a, there's a vast difference between an, an evil murderer or mentally ill person, and we can talk about those and, and have a lot of agreement on those areas, but I, I think uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a little disservice to Georgians, law-abiding Georgians who have a, a weapon maybe to defend themselves or their family. Um, there's, Mary, there's a difference. Mary Kate. All right, you've got some supporters right there. Mary Kate, uh, apparently at this event, you will be able to shoot a long rifle, right? Galloway, you know this too. A long rifle, you get a certain number of rounds for whatever money you pay, a pistol, mm -hmm. a revolver, at targets. Uh, so you're a political scientist. Uh, if you were running a Democratic campaign in that district, uh, you might want to try to get a video of this event, wouldn't you? <laughs> Potentially, yes. I mean, I, I think that it would make sense to postpone the event, uh, as Jim was saying. You know, it might not be a time when you want to bring a lot of attention to gun issues, uh, but it was, you know, pre-scheduled, and I'm sure that supporters and attendees of the event uh, Think that it should continue on and agree with Mark. Uh, that it's, it's as long as as long as you've got the ball, let me ask you the next <laughs> question. Your your book tells us that one of the things you are most interested in, the title alone tells us, is women and how they uh, respond to events in politics. What is happening? Can you confirm what most of us think of as conventional wisdom, that Republicans may be losing suburban women over a number of issues, and guns may be one of the biggest? Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, some of my colleagues have done some really great analysis uh, on the 2018 election, and suburban women, uh, white women with college degrees, uh, came out for Democrats. and. I think that guns, uh, health care, there are a number of issues that probably caused that, uh, but, but guns is definitely one of them. I think they're afraid to have their children be vulnerable in schools and, um, and at other events as well. We got it. Let me give Harold, I mean, Mark and then Harold a chance before we get to our break. Like many Georgians, I grew up hunting with my father, my pastor, my brothers. Um, I've taken my sons, I've taken my daughter skeet shooting, and she's a great shot. It's, there's a complete difference between, once again, law abiding, where gun safety and responsibility are paramount in what we teach our kids and what I was taught. And I think those are the people that are invited to these events. Those are the people who are sitting there going, who hate this evil that goes on in these other areas just as much as anyone who screams the loudest for a, a law that may or may not work in, say, in Chicago or Illinois. I think we, I think we need to, to keep our heads about us, to take care of the people, try to do some problem solving, like right. the school security and other things that we've done. Harold, okay, so hunters, I love the fact that Mark managed to get in. He uttered with his pastor. Oh my gosh, that's smart. Uh, so uh, It was true. No, I, I believe you. I didn't think you were making it up. I just thought it was a really good way to frame it. Uh, Harold, the... Uh, uh, of course, the question is, do you need an assault weapon to go uh, hunting? Yeah. Right, right, right. You get the last word. We've got to get to a break. So. Okay. Well, I, I just want to say that I, I understand as far as the hunters are concerned, but you were asking about the optics of it. The optics of the event may be neutral if Senator Jordan's bill passes. If it doesn't, then the optics of the event will be very bad. 
because then you'll have persons doing that and you're going to be saying that you don't want to protect women who are victims of domestic violence. That will, that will be bad optics. Before we go to the break, let me ask my two, my, my two oh, lawmakers no. here. Quick. <laughs> my, my two lawmakers here. Uh, 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 high capacity magazines. Is Georgia ready to ban those? Uh, that, that was actually 100 one of the key round th- magazines. Absolutely, because that was one of the key things with one of the shootings. And I think that should be something we should look at. I don't know if the will of the legislature is there. I saw the will in the Senate there as far as the bill we've been talking about. I think some red flag legislation. But that was one of the keys. It's not just the weapon itself. It's the fact that you can continue to shoot right. without that. Kind I think of another magazine. thing to mention, well, well, too. Well, well, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I kind of follow what what Harold said as far as earlier, which is there's so many out there now. We do have to deal with two things. One is if you're trying to minimize something, whether it's bump stocks or anything else, you need to to deal with the fact that they're already out there. And then the law abiding, when you have something where the law abiding ones have to turn it in, and the non-law abidings don't. Then All that's right, a Monique. Difference. Now you get the last word before our. Well, break. I, I was just going <laughs> to say, you know, certainly there's a difference to your point, uh, you know, with law-abiding citizens versus people who are mentally ill and obviously uh, whose main goal is to violate the law. And you talk about this event, for example, in Smyrna, how those types of events are marketed to and catered to those law-abiding citizens, but it's not always law-abiding citizens who attend those events. All right, um, thank you for that. Let's do this. Um, Let's get our first break of the show out of the way. We're coming to you in front of a live audience in Augusta, Georgia. We'll be back with more Political Rewind in a moment. Welcome back to Political Rewind. We're coming to you from Augusta, Georgia on today's edition of Rewind. We got a full house here at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts in Augusta. Um, Jim Galloway is with me. Uh, Jim, let me start with you and then turn to the panel on this. Just recently, we have learned that the We already knew the battle for the Georgia House of Representatives was going to be intense because Democrats made some real uh, strides in the 2018 elections. We now see, first, news that one of Stacey Abrams, uh, one of her voter efforts, is going to partner with the state Democratic Party to push hard to win new House seats maybe to get a majority, and then we learned even more recently than that, that the state GOP has launched an effort called what, GOP Mojo? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, this is one of my favorite. They got their mojo working. I mean, you know. (laughs) Officially, it's the GOP Majority Outreach. Ten, they say they're going to put ten million dollars into about 30 house races to assure that they will control the house. Right. This is something. This is something that you we I've never seen before. Okay. I have I have never seen this kind of money yeah. poured into into a, a set of legislative races in Georgia. But as as Bill said, you've got you've got a you've got a 105-75 split in the house. The house is 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 are the Demo- is the Democrats' only hope of getting a seat at the table for the 2021 redistricting. All right. So everybody is focusing on that, and you've got you have uh, uh, Abrams. Uh, I think she was promising uh, at least sing- uh, high high single digits yep. in in terms of spending. Uh, Republicans are now going to put in ten million, they say, for it. Uh, 
and uh, they can every, each side knows which seats are up. Uh, the Dems are focusing on the 15, 16 seats where Stacey Abrams came, uh, had uh, at least 40% of the vote uh, in, in, in a Republican-held district. Yeah. Uh, uh, Republicans are focusing on Bob Trammell uh, from Luthersville, down, down near LaGrange, uh, the House Minority Leader. Yeah, uh, because he opposed the abortion bill. Uh, specifically, right. there's an a, a anti-abortion group among others that are going after a seat. Well, I don't know the split in your delegation. I assume it's mostly Democratic. You're uh, one of the few Republicans in the delegation, aren't you, Mark? Uh, well, we go over into Columbia County. Yeah, I guess up, that would be. Mary, uh, uh, Barry Fleming and Jody Lott. Right, so, right. Uh, uh, I'm, if you're asking me about this, the Mojo, the, yes. the GOP majority outreach, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think one of the things that, that you have to do is to get a message out. and. It's, it's media takes money, and so the message that they want to get out, or that we want to get out as the, as the chief deputy whip, of course, is, is uh, economics, the jobs that have been created, eighth largest state in the nation, just past Michigan a year or two ago, six years in a row, number one for business, which is number one for jobs. We got education, which is uh, getting better, a, a graduation rate that's gone from 67 to over 80%, but we're not stopping there. The $3,000 teacher pay raise that we did, criminal justice reform, and what I already mentioned about, about mental health, which has been such a a drain on so many Georgians and their families. We put $300 million a year into that. I think if you get that message out, which I think is the goal in those 30 seats, if you get that message out, people will realize we're on a good trajectory. We work bipartisan often, if, if not almost most of the time, in a bipartisan way to, to put together things that are great for Georgians, all while keeping a great rainy day fund for emergencies and lowering everybody's tax rate. Monique, I'm gonna add, this is a, a, a question out of pure ignorance. I'm assuming, and a lot of it is based on what Jim Galloway told us at the top of the show about the demographics here, that there are not a lot of seats in the Augusta area that are going to be hotly competitive, right? I mean, you're not going to be a real key in legislative races. You're going to pretty well lock down to Republican and Democratic seats. He's looking for the races now, but I assume that's probably true. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, Mary-Kate? Yeah, I think that that's probably true. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if any of the money comes this way, but I, I would doubt it. Harold, it, the House appears to be competitive, right. but how does it feel be over there a Democrat in the minority in the Senate and realize that the odds that you can take control of the Senate uh, are still very, very slim and not much of a focus for 2020. Well, we still think we can pick up a couple of seats, between two or three seats. That Where are you going to pick them difference. up? That actually, in the north, in the in metro Atlanta area, that's basically right. what we're looking at, I would think. I think it would be stretching it to come down this far down, but some persons are talking about doing that. But the fact of the matter is we've already seen the difference when we were able to just get away from a supermajority to where you can't just do constitutional amendments and things of that nature. That becomes very important as far as, you know, how we function up there in the state Senate. And also I think the Senate has a little bit, possibly a little bit more bipartisanship that we work with. We talked about a couple of bills already that we've, we've pushed through. Um, I was able to actually get two bills through this year. So I think it's a little bit different with the Senate, but that doesn't mean we're still not gonna be going forward because we wanna make sure that our message also goes out and redistricting is gonna be so important that we have to make sure we're part of that process. Jim? Yeah, quite a, quite a few of them are in Metro Atlanta, right. uh, but also Athens. Uh, you have uh, Houseman Gaines over there. You have uh, uh, you have people like Mike Chokas over in Americus, way down in Southwest. 
Uh, and uh, of course, Gerald Green, uh, a Republican in the majority African American district, who has just survived year after year after year. That's great. Uh, uh, and uh, so, but but yeah, yeah. Mo most of this is up in Metro Atlanta, Athens. Oh, also Ron Stevens in Savannah. Who yeah, who, who they're really going to target? Go after? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, we come back, uh, uh, Monique and Mary Kate, to women being a real target for these uh, races. We know they're going to be big in congressional races in the 6th and 7th, but in legislative races too, yeah? Yes, definitely. Uh, and in particular, black women uh, across the country, but also in Georgia, uh, black women are the um, group that has the highest voter turnout in recent years. Uh, so I think that that's an important consideration for, for both parties to keep in mind that they tend to uh, vote solidly Democratic and that they, they turn out to vote in real numbers. Another, another factor here, Bill, that you've got is uh, 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 House Bill 481, the, the, the Georgia's uh, new heartbeat law. Uh, that, of course, uh, has, has not gone down well with, with, with a lot of women. Uh, and you've got a situation, for instance, in, in Sandy Springs, you have Deborah Silcox, a Republican uh, House member, who has uh, who's been promised op primary opposition from, uh, from, from an anti-abortion group. If that, if that happens, if, if she picks up a primary opposition, if she's somehow defeated, that's an open seat then. That makes it easier for, for Democrats to pick it up. Yeah. Mark, you want to weigh in? On the, uh, uh, on the general issue of legislative races. The, uh, I mean, I think that um, everybody knows where the, uh, the lines are. They know, the, they know the districts to, to concentrate on. I think those people are going to be inundated in their radio and TV for, uh, uh, for, once again, getting a message out. But I think that African-American women appreciate quality education, jobs, and, and a low-crime neighborhood. I think uh, it's going to be a, a message that we can get out that I think will make a difference. Monique, uh, you can ask Roy Moore about that. What's that? <laughs> Go ahead. About that. <laughs> the floor just, is yours. Well, just about the voting power of, of black women. All right. So we've talked about this on the show before, but this is a good moment to bring it up again. Uh, you know, we talk about the importance of women in general, but African-American women certainly have a big impact, can, on the outcome of elections in Georgia. Uh, the absence of Stacey Abrams at the top of a ticket this time, uh, at, at least the top of the state uh, candidate, she decided not to run for U.S. Senate, and we don't have an African-American in that U.S. Senate race, at least up until now, and increasingly there are questions as to whether we will have one. How important is that to bringing out African-American voters, do you imagine, Monique? Well, I will steer clear of the political piece to what you asked, because uh, with me being a journalist, I want to make sure that my um, answers are uh, very neutral. Uh, I will say that representation matters in any and every situation. Uh, just as when you turn on the television in the morning to get your local news, uh, people appreciate seeing somebody who looks like them. People appreciate seeing somebody who uh, shares the same values as they do. Harold, is it going to be hard to turn out African-American voters in 2020 uh, after the outpouring of support for Stacey Abrams in the governor's race? Are you 
dis disappointed that there's not an African-American at this point running for Senate, someone who could be a high visibility candidate? Well, we could have African-American actually at the top of the ticket uh, as our nominee for president. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Thank you. you know, that's a very yeah. strong possibility right. and African-American woman. So um, that is one issue. But I think the other thing is, of course, at the other end of the top of the ticket, we have somebody that we think we really run against, and that's with President Trump. But the bottom line is, persons are going to respond to those who reach out to ask for their vote. And that's the key thing. That's the problem that we've been having as a party. So not only did, did Stacey bring the fact that she was an African-American woman, she actually finally spoke to Georgians as far as things that they were finally concerned about as far as where Georgia is. Right. We know the metrics about being number one in business, but we needed to hear the other things that would actually affect people as far as actually moving forward in their lives. And that's what she spoke to. And if we do that, we'll be fine. Jim, is, uh, is uh, Harold Jones being a little overly optimistic? Uh, I, 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 will, I will agree with him. <laughs> I will agree with him at this, at this point. I think I, I, right now, I think it is probably absolutely necessary if, 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 if uh, Democrats are going to have a chance in the U.S. Senate race in Georgia, I think it would be absolutely nece necessary to have either Cory Booker yeah. or Kamala Harris on the ticket, either top or, 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 or in the number two position. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's do this. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way. When we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about, including I want to hear how the uh, uh, audience here in Augusta feels about impeachment. We'll do that after this break. We're back in Augusta, Georgia at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts to talk political talk on Political Rewind today. Uh, all right, Jim Galloway, Doug Collins, uh, the uh, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee who you correctly months ago said would be President Trump's one of his strongest defenders given his position on the Judiciary Committee, a Republican, uh, has now said that Gerald Nadler, the chairman of, of the Democratic Majority Committee, is essentially, uh, he is hurting the efforts to impeach President Trump because he is somehow believes that he can, on his own, as chairman of the committee, launch a investigation, an impeachment investigation. And Doug Collins wrote an op-ed piece about this in the LA Times the other day, which I thought was interesting reasoning. Yeah, and, and, and basically Nadler's, Nadler's ex explanation is, is he's conducting a pre-impeachment pre impeachment hearing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, this is, I mean, we are getting, we are, we are almost into football season. May I say, thank God. Uh, <laughs> And and that that means we are we are in fall into fall. We are. The, I think of it as Atlanta United championship season personally. But go ahead. <laughs> but 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 look. The deeper we get into this year, the less likely impeachment is. is I, I think I think it becomes. I think I think. And I and quite frankly, I think that that's been Nancy Pelosi's strategy all along. Yeah. All along. But I will say this is. Watch the economy. If the economy starts to tank, and or if, it's, if, it's, yeah, if it really starts to recession. slow, then I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of pressure come off uh, Democrats when it comes to impeachment. They'll Mar be a little bit more confident. Yeah, Mary Kate, uh, you know, there's been a lot of attention focused on President Trump's disrupting no the norms of American politics uh, with his executive orders. Uh, with his violations, crossing lines that a president uh, perhaps should not be crossing. But, uh, 
Doug Collins' op-ed piece made an interesting point. The House has not voted as a whole to launch an impeachment investigation of President Trump. And Collins' point is that by assuming he has the right essentially to launch it, regardless of what he calls it, it's a violation at the very least of the order of the House. What you, talk about that. Well, I think that you know you're you're really getting into things that normal Americans, average Americans, are not paying attention to. Uh, so I don't think that it necessarily uh, matters that uh, he might be violating the the norms, not you know the actual written rules, but just how impeachment has worked in the past. Uh, I think that the Democratic Party really needs to make a decision, um, you know, of those in the House, do they want to proceed or not? And, you know, they're not getting anywhere in terms of uh, subpoena, you know, having all these subpoenas to get uh, his financial records and, and those sorts of things. So they really need to make a decision of, as a full body. Monique, have you... Uh has your station asked you to do any stories about uh, the mood for impeachment out there in the Augusta area? No. <laughs> All right. All right. How many of you in this audience tonight believe that there should be an official impeach, that President Trump should be impeached by the Democratic House? Signal by applauding. How many of you think it's really a bad idea? <laughs> hey, can I, can, I, can I add a third alternative? Sure. How many think November is November 2020 is the proper way to do this? Harold? Yes, I mean, when you have practical politics, the question becomes, what is, what is the point to it? And the fact of the matter is he's not going to be removed. And so we're going to mirror the country down into this, these hearings, which we've already heard so much already. I think our candidates for president, our candidates for Congress, et cetera, we need to be concentrated on the issues that we think we can advance and move forward. And that's going to be the key thing. Mark, are Democrats, is Nancy Pelosi right that Democrats who are thirsting for impeachment and trying to push her toward it, making a terrible mistake in terms of the ability to win the White House? I don't always agree with Nancy Pelosi, but, but in this particular case, I do believe, uh, and I agree with you about the Premier League soccer and the SEC and ACC football. But I do think <laughs> it's one of the things I look at with Georgia, with, with the fact that we're a part-time legislature and that we, um, uh, uh, that we don't have the dysfunction that there is in Washington. The more it makes me glad that, that we're here, that we're serving where we're serving. Uh, in, in the Georgia House and the Georgia Senate, and that uh, we can make a difference there for Georgia. Robert, could we get a microphone over to this uh, young woman who really shouted, cheered when I said against <laughs> impeachment? Raider, raise your hand so uh, Robert can get over. Because we need to ask you what that enthusiastic cheer against impeachment was all about. Tell us your name if you don't mind. My name is Sherry Bronco, and I think that. The impeachment thing would be a waste of time because even if the House passes it, the Senate will not. And all it's going to do is rally the Trump supporters together and make us win again. <laughs> oh, so I want you, the last thing answered my question. Yes. You are a Trump supporter. Absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right. Anybody else have a quick question or comment they want to weigh in on with that? All right. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch how that moves forward, Jim, uh, because 
I, I mean, Nadler's going to move forward with it, and Doug Collins will be there to push back. Yeah, and they'll go after document after document after document, and it will be relentless. All right. And it will be on but, but, but at some point, it becomes routine. But I also think it's important to consider the constitutionality of what has already occurred with the Mueller report and uh, the findings of the Mueller report and the idea that if the House doesn't uh, vote to continue or to proceed uh, with impeachment, then you know where where does that line exist in the future, given the evidence that exists now? All right, let me let me go back, if I may, to uh, issues that relate specifically to uh, where we are right now. Augusta, Monique, uh, there has been this story. We the city of Atlanta, as everybody knows, has for number of years now been under federal investigation, corruption investigations, have already produced some results. Um, and the, to the best of our knowledge, the feds are continuing to I investigate what's right, happening right. in the city of Atlanta. Former Mayor Kasim Reed, uh, we don't know if what, anything will happen to him, but certainly the circle around him has uh, uh, you know, been under suspicion, and again, we've had some people who have uh, gone to jail already over stuff, right? Right, right, and, and then the investigation is kind of broadening a little bit into how the, the city has used uh, airport funds. Yeah, um, yes. So, Monique, now you here have this kind of mysterious investigation that we've just all sort of learned about. We don't really know what it's all about. You have been looking at it, FBI, GBI, investigating misuse of fun? Tell us, what do we know about what's happening in Augusta, which I assume is a story that is gonna really uh, be increasingly uh, looked at by the people of this community. It most certainly is. You're talking about uh, Sammy Sias, um, Augusta Richmond Commissioner Sammy Sias just uh, last week, his home was raided by FBI agents, GBI agents, they took uh, hardware out, boxes of documents. Um, in the in the midst of allegations against him that he mismanaged funds, that he mistreated some of the children who participated in uh, the community center that he operated. And but we're still really waiting for a lot yes. more information. We tried to research it. I know Jim Galloway did too. The Augusta Chronicle has tried to do some reporting on it. You've done some reporting on it. But we're mostly still in there. We don't even have well, enough to be able to speculate. I mean, right well, anytime now. state and federal agents come in, everybody's waiting yeah. uh, to find out what has happened. I will say uh, his reaction to the raid in particular, as a matter of fact, I think uh, News 12, uh, WRDW, was the first to break the fact that there was a raid happening at his home. So we went there. We stayed there all day. And uh, he actually emerged and talked to reporters right there on the spot, which I thought... Uh, it was pretty smart. Yeah. Now, whether all this stuff comes back to bite him, we don't know. But in terms of answering it right there, he said that he welcomed the investigation. He said that from the beginning when the commission said, hey, we need to investigate this. He said that the agents were kind. They were courteous. They're just doing their job. And he said that he's not backing down. And I think we need to especially point out that he hasn't been proven to be guilty of yeah. anything. Yeah. And so this is an investigation. And he seems to be welcoming it. And he doesn't seem to be running from it. Uh, Mark and Harold, it always makes people a little nervous when the feds come uh, uh, sniffing around, yes? 
You, you used to be 60 Minutes is in your office waiting. That was, that, <laughs> that's right. That was maybe Bill Nygut <laughs> right. or Jim Galloway. used to be the biggest fear think, of a CEO. Uh, you know, uh, I think Sir Mike GBI, Wallace is in the lobby for you. Yeah. GBI and FBI will get to the bottom of it, and people are innocent. Uh, hope that hope that investigation doesn't take a long time like some do. But at the same time, I think it reminds us that, that we have a duty to the taxpayers who have money taken out every week. That that we have a transparency and accountability thing. It's that a responsibility that's almost a sacred duty when we take money from people's paycheck, spending twenty six billion dollars at the state level, that that we'd be accountable for it. We passed a bill last year, House Bill three fifteen, that that kind of addressed local government accountability and transparency. We think that's a good thing. We deal with that uh, all our, both House and Senate are all live stream committee meetings, our, our budget, every version of it, 400 plus pages yeah. is online. So yeah. we, we like to, we think but we live in a transparent But your records are not, uh, we can't get access to your records because the legislature, Harold, has disallowed have attorneys. Uh, open records requests. Uh, by reporters for legislative records. I yes. just think we do need to add that. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. That's been that's been around for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's going to come back up possibly. But um, it is just an investigation. That's number one. And as a lawyer, I mean, when I hear that, I know there's so much information that any article, any story can never even touch the voluminous amounts of information, no matter what happens that's actually out there. So I always just say, let's just see what happens. But the fact of the matter is, if anything, um, whatever mistakes were made, the county will make sure they correct those. And the fact of the matter is, most of the persons when this was happening wasn't even in, in state government or local government. And so I think we just continue to move forward as a county. Jim, this has not gotten a lot of attention by uh, the, uh, news the newspaper, your newspaper, or the TV stations in Atlanta, but if it grows, it will. And, uh, you know, Augusta doesn't want to be in this uncomfortable position of having a cloud over the uh, affairs of the city. No, I can, and, and, and look, if you call Keisha Lance Bottoms up in Atlanta, she will tell you the same thing, that it, that it gets rather annoying when, you're, when your administration is overshadowed by this. Yeah. All right, that's it. We're completely out of time uh, for our, our show today. Um, and we've had a great experience out here with all of you in Augusta. Senator Harold Jones, Representative Mark Newton, our two whips on the panel for their respective uh, parties and their respective uh, bodies. Monique Williams, uh, thank you. Mary-Kate Lazat, what's the name of that book again? <laughs> Come on, I want to memorize it. <laughs> Gender Differences in Public Opinion, Values, and Political Consequences. Going to be published next year when? Uh, I'm not exactly sure, oh, okay. but sometime in 2020. Yes. I got it. I got it. All right. And Jim Galloway, uh, thank you for making the trip out here. To go. It was great to finally get to Augusta. We've been all over the state, but not out in this e far east in uh, Georgia. I will have to regale you with some of my previous trips here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been fun, and it's always hot. Well, and to all of you in the audience here, you are so wonderful to turn out in so you know such big numbers uh, to be a part of Political Rewind with us. We're back on Wednesday and Friday with another live Political Rewind. My thanks to uh, Robert Jimison and Tom Faust for all they did to make this show happen. I'm Bill Nygut. See you soon on Political Rewind.